You're listening to Queers, a podcast about politics and culture with Simon Copland and Benjamin Riley. I mean, as annoying as that whole thing was, it was also kind of cool that we were prepared enough to be able to do that. Yes, I'm very, very glad that we didn't lose that episode. Yep, that would have been given, so irritating. Given how long it took us to get to recording it. I know. Oh my God. Yep. No, it was all, it was all okay. All right. Shall we, shall we clap? Oh yeah. Oh God. It's been so long since we've done this. <laughs> like a proper one. Yeah, I know. It's I know. the, oh, I'm just going to change the date. I just realized that's a daylight as well because of me. Uh, okay. One. Oh yeah. Oh. Sorry. No, yep. no. Sorry. It's fine. One, two, three. It's the 19th of December, 2018. I'm Benjamin Riley. And I'm Simon Copland. Welcome to Queers. Each episode, we talk our way through questions on a theme, and this week, at the end of 2018, we're wrapping up with a look back at our year in pop culture. And maybe before we start, Ben, like we just said, it's the end of 2018. This is going to be our last episode for the year. What are your plans for the summer break? Uh, I am uh, going to see my family in Aubrey-Wodonga, which uh, is a kind of regional centre in, uh, well, it straddles the border of Victoria and New South Wales. If you drive from Sydney to Melbourne, it's where you cross the border. Uh, but just going for a few days. Uh, and then, honestly, just looking forward to relaxing. I've had an extremely busy six months. A-, a holiday was part of that, but, you know, holidays can always be a bit, you know, busy and stressful in their yeah, own way. Yeah, overseas holidays. Totally, totally. So this is going to be a lot of me sitting on the couch and playing video games, I think, which is... Uh, that sounds pretty great. how I like to relax. How about you? Um, yeah, we haven't got really many plans. Uh, for Christmas Day, uh, James Martin and I have booked um, a buffet breakfast at the Hyatt <gasps> uh, for our celebrations. And otherwise, uh, we might have some friends over in the afternoon just to chill out. And then, yeah, we haven't got heaps planned. There might be a, a, a drive down to the coast, but yeah, chilling out, doing not much, um, enjoying some relaxing time again. We've we've all had like quite busy uh, years and been overseas a couple of times and lots of work. So sort of a bit of time just to chill out, not do much. You know, my, my, my version of chilling out will be um, lying on the couch and reading and probably going to the pool every day to oh go my for God. a swim. Your, yours uh-huh. is so much more wholesome than mine. <laughs> no, there's nothing wrong with video games <laughs> at all. I mean, if you become like, you know, one of those people that, you know, ends up abusing women online. Oh, maybe that's oh God. That's a, <laughs> no, that's a leap. Yeah, I don't think so. I'm just making a I joke. also... Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, no, I got it. Uh, I love a buffet breakfast so much. We it was my five year anniversary with Jason. Uh, it's actually in a few Happy days, but for various reasons, we we had our our um our thing. We celebrated it yesterday and went to the. We did the very cheesy thing of going to the buffet, the revolving buffet uh, restaurant uh, on top of Sydney Tower. That sounds great. It was great. so great and so stupid. It took me a little while to not feel a bit sick, uh, but it was it was it was really cool. I just like I love a, I love a buffet. James and I went to um, I think Martin was in Brisbane and we were just like it was a Saturday night and we we're like let's do something and we went to the Burns Club here, uh, which has like a buffet dinner and it's super cheap uh, and it's kind of like food of the world kind of stuff. There's like a Chinese food section, sure, yeah. an Indian food section, all that kind of stuff. It was great. And we've been like, we've got to take Martin back because the Burns Club is a Scottish, um, you know, it's a Scottish club. 
Uh, so and he's Scottish. Martin is Scottish. Uh, so we really uh, have to take him back there because we we all enjoy a buffet. But the the Hyatt buffet breakfast is kind of like fancy Christmas breakfast. Um, so we're we're kind of excited about that, and it'll be the sort of the Christmas treat for the three of us. Uh, so given we've been talking about buffets for like three minutes, <laughs> we should probably talk talk about something slightly more podcast related. We, as people would probably be aware, launched our Patreon. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we've already had a fantastic amount of support, which is so, so cool and humbling and awesome that people are, are willing and, and able to support the, the podcast in that way. There's a lot more that we that we want to do with it too in the coming months. So keep an eye out for, for all sorts of things. Yeah, so I just want to you know say thank you to the people who have subscribed already, and we've we've already put up some of the extra content that is going to be available on there. So uh, we have a, an excellent interview up there with uh, J R Latham, uh, which Ben uh, did at the what was the name of the conference again? Ben, I've just gone blank. Queer Legacies, New Solidarities. Uh, so that interview is really excellent, uh, and if you uh, join us up for five dollars or more per, per month, you can get access to that, and we'll be putting up new content every month. Um, and also if you sign up, you'll be also be also be able to get some access to new, uh, discussions and, and posts that we'll be putting up. Um, and hopefully what we're going to be doing is setting some, some goals as well, because we're, we're, you know, we want to put this money into the podcast, into making this the best podcast we can. Um, and so we're thinking of new and creative ideas about what we can do with this podcast to turn it into something even bigger and better. Yeah, and and there are you know th- things that are kind of percolating in in that respect. So so we'll we'll keep you updated. Uh, a note on the bonus episodes as well. Although the first one we did launch with an interview, for the most part they're going to be additional discussions uh, with Simon and I. When we do put interviews up there, there'll be kind of advance listens of those interviews. So the uh, JL Latham interview, for example, will go into our main feed in a couple of months' time. But uh, that certainly won't be the case for for all of the stuff we put up there. A lot of it will remain uh, Patreon exclusive. So that's kind of how we're planning on doing that. 2018 is almost over. And after a year of some serious politics, we thought we'd end the year on a bit of a light note. So it's time for one of our semi-regular pop culture episodes. It's It's been a big year for queer pop culture, from the new Queer Eye to Drag Race, which we seem to talk about all the time on the podcast, and the Will and Grace remake. Gosh, yeah, a lot of... Uh... A lot of queer stuff. And that's just like the gay stuff. There's not even, you know, there's a I know, whole... <laughs> totally. Gay stuff, I should say. Yeah, yeah. really. Uh, but pop culture, I think, is also increasingly becoming part of our political discourse. And in particular this year, there's been a lot of debates ranging around representation and inclusion within media and the arts. So we thought it's probably time to touch base about some of the best, the worst pop culture of the year, as well as talk about some of the debates that have been dominating uh, those discussions. So, Ben, let's just get straight into it. What do you think has been the most important or impactful pop culture moment of this year for you? I mean, I feel like it's a difficult question for me to answer for all the reasons that we kind of talked about on our last pop culture episode. In in terms of, like, I would have to... I don't know if I could answer the question what has, like, objectively been the most important pop culture thing of the year. But in terms of stuff that's really stood out for me, I guess... Yeah, I don't know, maybe I'm already overthinking this, which is our problem when we do these pop culture (laughs) episodes, but I would have to maybe draw a distinction between just stuff I've really loved and really engaged with and stuff that's kind of felt like it's a bit more meaningful as much as you can draw a distinction between those things. I mean, something that we have already talked about at some length, we did a whole episode on it in the podcast, still stands out to me as as something really significant, which was the 
a reunion episode of season 10 of RuPaul's Drag Race, the uh, kind of three-way confrontation between the Vixen, Asia O'Hara, and RuPaul that really exposed some really interesting stuff about respectability politics, about racial politics uh, in the show, but also I think in uh, gay culture and to some extent more broadly in just pop culture generally. I still think that was just really one of the most amazing, particularly the moment of of Asia O'Hara just kind of breaking down while she's yelling at Rue is just like one of the most amazing things I've ever seen on television. If you want to hear us discuss that moment and that episode and that season to some extent in more depth, uh, have a listen to episode 46, which is uh, called Civil Queer, Respectable Queer, uh, where, where we talk about a lot more about that. I think in terms of just stuff that I've really loved, I mean, it's been kind of a, a bit of an odd year for me in pop culture because I it's been a really busy year and often when I get busy and a bit stressed, I just like rewatch the same thing. Oh, me too. Or, like I'm just a total like comfort comfort watcher. I'm a big, for example, you know, Whispers Star Trek fan and I uh, just like basically rewatch um, episodes of Star Trek when it's like ha- it's like someone hugging me, but they there are. There is nothing I mean, wrong with that. Why do you need to whisper? Well, just, you know, it's, I don't it's, know. It's, it's, it's know. totally respectable. I know. Ben. I you know. embrace your nerdiness. Um, as long as you don't accuse me of uh, of 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 becoming an, uh, a serial abuser online, um, <laughs> then I will continue to do so. But but I would say that the in, in terms of the things that I've loved the most, the absolute standout for me is the TV series The Americans. It's been my favorite thing on TV almost as long as it's been running. I love it so 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 much. It's a show about. I mean, it was almost like made for me. <laughs> like it's just got everything I love. It's a show about these two Russian undercover spies played by Kerry Russell and uh, Matthew Reese, who live in. They live in. Uh, Washington DC and they just like are posing as this kind of ordinary family that have kids who don't even know that they're spies and they kind of you know live this family life and then go out in the in the night and do spy things I love kind of Cold War it's set in the 80s so it's it's uh, I love kind of Cold War aesthetic stuff I love Russian stuff it's it's a really really smart show it's really really kind of quiet in a lot of really interesting ways and they had their final season this year and it's just like some of the best kind of character exploration that I've ever seen on TV. It's basically uh, the the premise is all about exploring the kind of complexities of marriage in lots of ways and, and, and long-term relationships. And it, it ended in a really, really fantastic way. And, and if, if people haven't seen it, I would highly, highly recommend it. I just like cried through much of the finale uh, it's yeah, a really, really fantastic show. I have not seen it, uh, so maybe I should add that to my list, my very long list that I never get through because <laughs> I'm always just get home from work and turn on the TV and there's like remakes of, well, not remakes. There's just you know uh, reruns of crappy TV that I, I've watched you know multiple times. That oh my I, god, that totally. I, yeah. I could I could watch endless like Mash reruns, yep. Seinfeld reruns. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I think that's also totally fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so I guess the same for you. I mean, uh, I don't know whether you want to draw the same distinctions that I did, but how would you answer that? Question? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I've been thinking about it since we sort of decided we were going to do this episode, and I've I've sort of been struggling, I guess, in a way. I mean, there, you know, I feel like there's there was you know that 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 RuPaul's Drag Race moment was a big moment. I mean, RuPaul's Drag Race has been interesting this year because I think All Stars Three was such a car crash uh, and. 
I found season 10 kind of disappointing. I was kind of, you know, sort of lost interest partway through until that reunion episode, really. And the, the, the politics of that was fascinating. Um, and then there's been like a bunch of controversy around that, particularly with Rue's comments about uh, having trans queens uh, involved in the show. Uh, and I think it's fascinating now that in All Stars 4 that she's invited Gia Gunn, who's obviously trans, to come back. Uh, and how, whether that's sort of a recognition of the backlash against that uh, has been has been interesting to me. So I'm, gonna, I'm intrigued to Gia see... Gia Gunn is also fantastic. Gia Gunn is like also just, fantastic. I'm such yeah. a fan. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. And I'm not... Um, I don't think she's only been invited because she's trans, but I think that this that her, her invitation is a suggestion that Rue is sort of... Yeah, yeah. Sort of de- listen to, or at least the producers of the show have gone and listened to that feedback and go and sort of this is a recognition of that, which is a good thing in many ways. Uh, well, not in many ways, it is a good thing. Um, so that's been interesting to me. I mean, I think Queer Eye has also been a sort of massive uh, pop culture moment that we can't really ignore on this episode because it. I've I really hated the first Queer Eye. Um, I was quite the the nineties. The 90s 90s, one. you know, when it sort of came out when it came out when I was growing up as a teenager and I remember like I can't you know he's now he's now on um RuPaul's Drag Race I can't really stand Carson Kressley at all um (laughs) but it's been interesting for me to see that so when the new one came out it was like super skeptical um because of that yeah Um, me too uh but like it's been really interesting to see how it's been embraced and how the the five guys have been embraced in such in such big ways uh and and, and and I watch it. I can't watch like lots of it on end. Like I can't binge watch it. Um, but mm. I, I enjoy an episode of it quite a lot. Uh, and I think there's been some really nice moments on there. And it's it's really interesting to see how that has played out for me and why and how it's been embraced. Um, where I think the original was kind of seen as very cringeworthy. Um, um, a little bit, you know, homophobic in some ways. But this one has not had that sort of tarnishing in any ways. And it's interesting to see how that's played out um, for me. Um, so I think that's a yeah, big it's funny. Moment. I I think like the because I was super skeptical about it as well, and and ha- have come to really really enjoy watching it. And I almost think like it's it's like kind of neoliberal like reality TV like gay stuff, the same kind of stuff that you see in Drag Race, like par excellence. Like it like it's just one hundred percent the you know you can improve your life, blah, 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 buying things will make you feel good, but it's just done so well that i don't care like it 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 almost makes me understand why people love oprah for example like like there's something just so comforting about that actually if i can um say something about one other tv show i know i know you were kind of talking about your favorite things just also makes me think of something else i've loved this year which was one day at a time the remake of so it so it's a sitcom uh it's on netflix it's like a very traditional like multicam sitcom so there's like a laugh track and all that stuff but and it's a remake of a a, a sitcom from i think the 70s or the 80s which was apparently at the time quite progressive but it's the the remake is about a uh latinx family uh in uh i think i think LA i'm not sure I think sure I've seen a couple is, of episodes of this Yeah and it's it's so dumb and it's so cheesy and it's like just 100% just a sitcom, like feels totally just like a network sitcom. But because it's kind of about progressive stuff and the family's like, like one of the kids is queer and she's uh, dating in the second season dates a gender non-normative person who goes by they and 
but it's but it's like super low key. Like it's not. It is a little preachy, but uh, it just kind of Im- something about a show that totally wallows in all the tropes of sitcomness. But you know, when you watch a sitcom, and and uh, for me at least, like the fact that they're all just like gross, kind of straight white people who like talk about marriage and kids and, yeah, and yeah. boring family stuff all the time is such a barrier to getting into it. But because this is about people that like are maybe a little more interesting to me. I'm t- I totally buy into the sitcom tropes. I don't know if that quite makes sense. No, I don't, it makes sense. Yeah, I totally understand. I mean, I think that another important moment, and I think this has been an important political moment um, as well, uh, that I've sort of been following has was the uh, return of Roseanne at the start of the year, and then the cancelling of Roseanne, and then the mm. um, and then they created this. They've created a new show called The Connors, which is the the same show but without Roseanne in it. And I think that there's some really interesting stuff there in terms of like what you're talking about. It's not it's not quite as queer, although there are actually queer elements to the new season um, that uh, sort of run through. So in in that season, um, so if you if you know Roseanne, it's you know there's a family with Ro- Ro- Roseanne and um, her husband who is played by John Goodman. Uh, and then they have three kids, uh, and and it's and it and they're poor, and it's it's about uh, working class poor Americans dealing dealing with with life. And in the new season, the uh, the kids are now adults. One of them, who's played by um, Sarah Sarah Gilbert, um, comes back to live at home, and she has two kids of her own. Uh, and in one of the episodes, and I think it was one of the things that struck me quite interestingly about it, because it's been so. Uh, so people are so critical of it because in the start, the first episode, uh, Roseanne is 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 now as she is in real life. She's a a Trump supporter, um, and uh, in the first episode, there's a debate between her and her sister, who is played by um, Laurie Metcalf, who is a Hillary supporter, and there's sort of this they have this rift over 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 that. And a lot of people have said that that um, that the show covers up what the real reasons why people vote for Trump, which is based on racism, sexism, homophobia, etc. And and in turn, you know that you know the show covered up why Roseanne herself, the 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 the, the actress, um, was a Trump and has become a. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Trump supporter, which is obviously, you know, based around a bunch of racist stuff and conspiracy theories and things like that. Um, but I thought it was super interesting in the way that it engaged with the complexity of the potential issues and engaged with the, the potential of the complexity of poverty in the United States. So uh, what basically happens, the way that they write her out in the end is to, um, is that she dies of a, of a drug overdose because she's taking painkillers to deal with her, with, to deal with knee pain uh, that she then, uh, but that she can't afford proper healthcare. So she sort of gets addicted to opioids uh, and it sort of really engages with these questions of poverty in the United States in a real way and engages for me with how people can turn to someone like Trump to deal, to deal with those sorts of issues. And yet at the same time, 
they have you know Sarah Gilbert's character is one of uh, one of her her son is um and he identifies as a boy in the show but he dresses he wears dresses and makeup to school and there's this sort of tension in the in a, one of the episodes uh between him and and John Goodman's character where uh, you know, he, he's the grandfather and he's like, you shouldn't wear dresses to school, you're going to get beaten up, etc, etc. And then the kid sort of over the epi- time of the episode convinces him that actually this is what he wants to be and convinces the grandfather to support him rather than to rather than to sort of challenge him over it to, to say that kind of stuff. And so I think it's kind of interesting and it sort of um, shows, sort of challenges the idea that working class families are inherently, of, of any race, or in, are inherently, you know, homophobic necessarily or sexist, or that those positions can't change along, you know, through convincing or that, you know, etc. So I think there was some really interesting stuff around that. And I find that that show has been a really interesting sort of portal into a bunch of political debates that are existing at the moment about class, mm. about sex, about race, uh, and in some unfortunate ways with, you know, what, you know, Roseanne tweeted that got her canned. I think it was, it was really um, obviously appalling and uh, very unfortunate, but uh, I think the show itself is very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I need to watch, I haven't watched it. I, I, I sort of missed Roseanne somehow as a kid. Mm. uh, And so I don't have any nostalgia associated with it, but I've been following quite closely all of the conversations around the show uh, and I, I I find Roseanne Barr as a person so fascinating. Me too. And and really compelling in lots of ways as well. And before she went totally off the rails, she was actually really interesting politically. You yeah. know, she would she would talk about kind of working class issues. Even the whole like firing situation is it was complicated. You know, yeah. like she like she maintains that it that. Like it wasn't a racist tweet, for example, or there was no racist intent, and and I kind of buy it. Like, like she just sort of seems a bit like a bit of a nutcase. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and but I also, it's clear also that how it was perceived that way, uh, and and fit, I think you know, and I think it's been disappointing to me that the that her politics have been assumed to be the politics of the show. When actually, if you look at the oh, totally, the, the pe- writers' room is like super diverse, like yep. politically, like super left. You know. Yeah, and so I think that that's kind of disappointing, and I think it, you know, basically I think people's criticism of it wasn't that, was that on the first episode she didn't be like, I hate black people and that's why I voted for Trump, uh, yeah. and that's kind of what people want, and I don't think that that is a useful engagement with the phenomenon of Trump voters, uh, and it's not a useful engagement with the, with that sort of phenomenon of, of, of the sort of politics that we have at the moment, and I think that the show sort of engaged with the realities of, of one form of a Trump voter and one form of that sort of politics, not all forms of it. No one, no one's ever going to capture all of that. And it did so in interesting ways. It did so in complex ways. And the new series, I haven't actually watched much of it. I, I sort of caught an episode, the first episode just recently, which is called The Connors, um, continues on that trajectory, sort of dealing mm. with the opioid crisis in the US, for example, is is really what the first episode is about and how communities are, communities in the US are, you know, what basically she, you know, they find out that she's been getting, she was getting drugs from different friends to deal with, to, to deal with her addiction. And none of the individual friends knew that she was also getting drugs from elsewhere, but that, you know, there's a discourse about how people share drugs amongst each other. And yeah, how super, that kind of works. Which is super common in Australia as well. Yeah. And so like 
you know, that, that's an important topic to be discussed on a prime time, you know, very, very popular TV show. Uh, and to sort of ignore that through a sort of basic lens of, you know, oh, she's a Trump, you know, that she's a Trump voter. So therefore it's awful, I think is really disappointing and a, a sort of a, a, a lack of engagement on some really complex and important issues. For sure. And look, and this is, I'm going to say something that might just make me sound like a bit of an asshole, but I, I was reading a Twitter thread the other day that was a guy I follow who I don't know. His thread was about the fact that people are increasingly incapable of engaging with culture, of like understanding the distinction between culture that explores particular issues in interesting ways and culture that like people want culture to just be a political signifier of something that they can agree with and that anything less than that is somehow like, you know, bad politics is something we talk about on the podcast all the time or wrong or something. And it just is like, I, I kind of can't help but come to the conclusion that, and again, it's probably going to make me sound like an asshole. It's just dumb. Like, it's just literally stupidity. Like, it's just people not being intelligent enough to engage in complex ways <laughs> with texts. And yeah. I know that's, like, super elitist and maybe dismisses a lot of, kind of, the complexity of people's reactions to this stuff. But I just also think that there's some power in kind of calling that stuff out as just stupid. I mean, I think it gave me some thought about, I think probably what has been for me the most important movie of the year. It's actually probably a movie of last year that sort of came into this year. But I think I watched it. We saw it at the cinemas in January, so it still counts. Um, (laughs) Anyway, that is um, that was three billboards outside Missouri, um, Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, Have you seen it? No, no. Okay, so for me, I like I went and saw it with James and a friend. And I was gripped the entire way and I came out and we were like, we were all, it was one of those movies where we, we, the three of us came out. I think Martin was in the UK and he watched it. He saw it because I was like messaging him at the time being like, you have to watch this movie. It's so good. Um, And I think he went and saw it with a friend. Uh, But we came out and the three of us were like, just take, like, it was one of those where like, we just had to take a deep breath and be like, what the fuck? That was just so good. It was so amazing. Um, But basically um, it got a lot of critique. Uh, and so the critique was related. I'm trying. I won't spoil anything. But basically, what happens is that in the movie, um, there's uh, the main character who is played by Frances McDormand. A year a year before the movie is set, her daughter is um, brutally raped and murdered, uh, and that sort of starts off. At the, that's from the start, and she believes very strongly that the uh, poli- the local police department are not doing it, doing enough to solve the crime. Uh, and she puts up three, she buys three billboards just outside of her town uh, on a sort of, not a big highway, but on a, on a main road, uh, sort of at- having a go at the police department for not doing enough. That's the premise of the movie. Uh, there's another character in there played by Sam Roth. Sam Roth? Is that his name? Sam Rockwell. Sorry, Sam Rockwell. Uh, who is a police officer who is also... Um, uh, racist uh is acute she accuses him at one point of torturing people uh there's of torturing black people um and uh he uh sort of does some quite bad stuff uh i won't sort of go into the details and gets uh kicked off the force and then and then sort of they sort of in a way start to team up together to try and deal with this with what happened uh and there's been a lot of criticism of the movie that that it doesn't that there's 
not many there's not enough black characters in it um and given that there's a sort of discourse of race but also that there's somehow a narrative arc of where Sam Rockwell's character who is uh who 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 is not you know who's done really awful things that he somehow that there's this arc of him being getting redemption for doing so through the movie that's kind of the basic critique and what i found really fascinating about that is it it sort of is, it goes back to what you said that people want there to be a political outcome there which suggests that he is that, that, that the end of the story says that he's a terrible person and that this is all terrible and that's the that's the narrative that should be told that he's just terrible and that he should just be wallowing his terribleness and anything that he does that is good is therefore bad because he's actually just a terrible person like it's not actually there's no capacity for terrible people to do good and it sends a message that a racist can be a good person whereas my mm. my thought was actually no what this does is it tells the story of the complexity of people's lives that there is a, and complexity of people's actions that people do both terrible things but also still have the capacity to sometimes do good things or to try and learn from their terrible things and that doesn't mean that you you know that those terrible things are forgiven it doesn't mean that that means that nothing you know you can never sort of um uh, that you know that there is an accountability for those terrible things. It doesn't mean that we now have an arc where it goes from terrible person to good person. It could be just person who does both bad and good things. And for me, the complexity of that was completely lost in the the critique of the movie um, because people sort of there were it didn't fit the political mold that they wanted, which was person who is a racist is bad. Uh, and so that was really disappointing for me because I came out of that movie going, this is just an incredible movie that sort of deals with the complexity of characters. And it doesn't really, in many ways, have a conclusion. And I think that, that is also really powerful in relation to it, that it sort of um, just sort of, this is a complex and shit situation. And here is how complex people deal with the complex and shit situation. And that is the effect of the movie. And I think that that is a really powerful story to tell. And it's not one that I see told very often when you sort of have this need for this political narrative that comes across that sort of identifies good people and bad people and the bad people are the bad people and the good people are the good people and they're sort of that is that is the the end of the movie if that makes sense yeah sure yeah um so that is my little rant about three bad <laughs> after you check it out i i honestly had had no real intention of seeing it but um you've you've sold you've sold me on it yeah i i just i just thought it was incredible and i and i really loved it um and you know it's, i was super sad that it because I, I ended up watching um the Shape of Water, which won the best Oscar, it was kind of between The Shape of Water and Three Billboards, was considered the sort mm-hmm. of, the, and The Shape of Water. And I just thought The Shape of Water was beautiful and it was really nice and it was an enjoyable movie, but it didn't have any of the sort of complexity of narrative that I thought was super interesting about Three Billboards. And I was very disappointed that the sort of, the political critique of it, which I think lost the, na- the complexity of it, ended up, I think, costing Three Billboards the, the best Oscar um, mm, mm. because, you know, and it sort of went to a movie that was nice and it was enjoyable, but it didn't, I didn't come out of it going, oh, that was something I want to talk to someone about. Um, whereas with three billboards, I've talked to lots of people about it. Yeah. No, interesting. But yeah, that's, 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 that's my movie of the year. I mean, I was looking through, <laughs> I've, I never used to be much of a big movie watcher, but Martin has really gotten us into it. And we now go to the movies all the time. Uh, and I was actually looking through a list of 2018 movies. And I'm like, wow, I've seen a lot of these, uh, which oh. is quite surprising for me. Yeah, I was also looking through a, a list of 2018 movies to, to see what I had liked. And I've just, like, hardly seen anything. I saw, uh, you know, I saw A Star is Born. Didn't care for it. I, I haven't like, seen it. Eh. Yeah. Eh. I haven't there seen it. There are things about it that were really good. It just was like, I don't know. It's just Bradley Cooper talking like, hello, this is how I talk now. It's just <laughs> like him doing that for two hours and being an asshole and Lady Gaga being like, I'm in love with you even though you're an asshole. And I'm like, nah, 
Why? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I think less of you because you're in love with this asshole. Like, it makes me not like you. <laughs> makes me not really want to go see that movie. Yep. I've and heard similar critiques of it. And the music's just bad. I don't know. Like, the, like Bradley Cooper wrote the music. Like, how narcissistic do you have to be to, like... I had just assumed of... that Lady Gaga had written the music. No, no, he wrote the music. It's so weird. And it's just, like, the most generic pop crap. Like, you know, I love a good a good pop song. I would say, like, you know, I've, I've just been listening to so much Ariana Grande lately and just I'm kind of into a lot of really commercial pop at the moment. Uh, but it's just boring. I just feel like the songs are really boring. Anyway, this is like <laughs> this is me saying that I I haven't really really loved anything this year. Or like Black Panther. You know, everyone loved Black Panther. Politically, quote unquote, politically important movie. It was fine. It was a superhero movie. They're all the same. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't feel Black Panther at all, to be honest. Um, like I just, it just did not grab me in any in any kind of way. I but then it, I like you know I know people for whom. It was really important. Yeah, of course. And I, yeah, I guess, yeah, I don't know. I and that, and that's great. That's great. Like I've got no totally. Um, yeah, you know, of course. Y- you know, yeah. if it's important for you, it's important for you, and that's that's really totally, excellent. totally. And I, I don't think it was a bad movie. I just didn't sort of, it didn't reel me in in the way in in um. I mean, and then that goes to questions of representation and the importance of different forms of representation well, sure, in, in yeah. a movie. Um, I mean, I think that you know, you you mentioned Ariana Grande. I think the other thing that I just thought of. Uh, in terms of music that I really loved was Janelle Monae's album this year. Um, yeah, totally. I mean, so, that's my favourite album of the year. It's, yeah. it's it's so great. I just, we were, we actually think Martin and I were driving to Melbourne when it came out. And so we popped it on Spotify and just like listened to it, the whole album, like a couple of times on repeat. It was just, it's just so good. And it's, that is an album that has stuck with me for the year. And that's probably... It's funny though, because I feel like the, the things on the album that I like the least are the preachier bits. Yeah. Like there are a few tracks that I just find too irritating, like, because... Like, or, or, you know, there's stuff like like Django Jane, for example, which is, like, a genuine kind of political screed. Yeah. But I really love it because that it, because it's kind of interesting and, and it's, a, it's a great... I mean, it's just, it's just a great track. Um, but then there's stuff like... Like, Screwed, which I just think is a really irritating song, or... I don't know, some other tracks that are just kind of very much about like the current moment in politics yeah, that yeah. to me are just, I don't know, like there's just very little that a three minute pop song can, that's unfair. No, I take that back. Um, <laughs> yeah, the tracks the tracks on the album that I really love are like the kind of sexy ones. Yeah, yeah pink you know, and like, make me feel. Or just Pink and make me feel. Ah, oh, so great. That's the, So great. They're the ones that go, go straight juice, to my head. Juice, Juice is really great as well. Ah, oh, yep. Yep. Yeah, and like the, I mean, I just love, particularly given his recent death, I love the Prince influence, and I love the that mixed with Janelle Monae, who is just amazing, and I I love her, and the the the, the sexy ones are the other ones that grab me much more than anything else. Yeah, yeah, me too. So as we said at the start of the episode, we have now launched a Patreon. And so if you support the podcast, like what you're hearing uh, and would like to support us, we'd really appreciate it. As we said, there's also lots of great new content that is going to be coming onto the Patreon as well. So you can do so at patreon.com forward slash queers podcast. Otherwise, if you'd like to get in touch or make a comment or just tell us about your life in some kind of nice way, you can do so in through various ways on the internet. Yep, you can email us uh, at queerspodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at queerspodcast. I am on Twitter and sometimes even tweet from at Ben C. Riley. 
Simon is also on Twitter, at Simon Copland. He also tweets probably more often than I do. I don't think and... that's the case. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, no, yeah, I Maybe see... that's not true. No, I, I just feel, feel like... like whenever I tweet now, it's just nonsense. Well, I feel like I feel like also half of your tweets now are like talking about whether you should get off Twitter. <laughs> oh my god, I've become that person. Yeah, yeah, that's that's terrible. I need to I need to nip that in the bud. <laughs> uh, so Simon's also on Facebook at Simon Copland Writer. Uh, you can find the podcast on our website, which is queerspodcast.com. Uh, you can subscribe to us on Apple uh, Apple Podcasts, right? You can you can subscribe that's to us on one. Apple Podcasts. And as always, if you could leave a review and rating on whatever podcast you app you have, that would be a really great way to help others find the show. Also, tell a friend. We were at the Queer Legacies New Solidarities Conference, which I think we mentioned at the top of the show. Had a couple of people come up to me and say that they listened to the show, and it was so lovely, and I was very embarrassed. But they had heard about it through other people. So word of mouth is just like... I mean, it's literally just how most people, I think, hear about any podcast. So tell your friends and family and loved ones uh, about us if you think that they'd like it and and get them to listen. Uh, And thank you as always. And happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, whatever summer or winter, if you're on the other side of the world, festival you're enjoying. Uh, Have a great one and we will see you all in the new year. So, you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out, everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 